You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robin. Hey, how are we doing this morning? Good to see you guys. Yeah, we doing pretty good? So uh, I'm pretty stoked today because I brought a watermelon to church today, and I got to confess to you that I have a little bit of a problem. Um, I need to go to like uh, Watermelons Anonymous or something like that because in the past two weeks, our family has consumed like five watermelons and most of it's on me. And here's when you know you have a watermelon problem. It's like, okay, I cut the watermelon up. So in my mind, that makes me feel like I'm entitled to like eat the majority of it. So I go in there and I eat it all before the kids can get to it. You ever do that, parents? You ever do that? It's like, I got teenagers. It's like, you got to get in there because they'll eat everything in the house. Uh, But one of the amazing things about the watermelon is that each one of these watermelons has the potential of as many as like 800 seeds. And we know what that means, don't we? That means that there are, there's the potential inside this one watermelon of 800 more of these delicious green ovals with red on the inside, right? That's what it means. And that's part of the way God's kingdom works, isn't it? And that's why we've said in this series that the vision for City Church Downtown is an exponentially multiplying kingdom movement. Now, it's not a Doug movement or Doug kingdom. It's not your kingdom. But remember, we've said it's God's kingdom that we're trying to spread, move, and multiply, much like the seeds of a watermelon. And our future together, what started here Together, we're going to impact over 700,000 people's lives for God's kingdom. And the kingdom of God is described by this organic growth in uh, Mark chapter 4. If you've got your phone app Bible or if you just want to chill and look on the screen, that's fine too. Uh, we're going to look at verses 26 through 32 in our focal text today. Um, Jesus said, uh, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scattered seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but does not understand how it happens. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make their nests in its shade. And so I brought a picture today of a mustard plant that's gone wild in the Holy Land. And you can see that what was one small little bush becomes this big tree. And I've seen these things in Israel. They just go crazy. Sometimes they'll take over an entire hillside of this mustard plant. And Jesus says that this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so can you imagine when together we spread the seeds of the gospel all over our city and our world, we're going to see this exponentially multiplying kind of movement when we are freed to plant seeds. Okay, so those of you that are over here to uh, my right, I want you to say the word freed when I point to you, and then you know what's going to happen over here. Those of you on my left-hand side of the theater, uh, you're going to say seeds, right? So the kingdom multiplies exponentially when we are free to plant seeds. When we're free to plant seeds. Okay, good. Excited today. In fact, I'm excited for after services today when I'm going to eat this. You know what I'm saying? 
and I'm fighting off the band because they're scoping it out. I can see them. Naughty little band members. Uh, but when we're freed to plant seeds, we see this kind of, uh, of a you know, harvest. And you know, our staff, we talk a lot about the kinds of leaders we want to be. And we say, because the Bible metaphor is of a gardener, we want to be leaders that are like gardeners who grow things. You know, a lot of churches today feel very corporate, don't they? You go in there, you feel like you're in a corporation or something like that. And that's not what we want because a lot of that feels very like butchers, not gardeners. Butchers just love to see the fresh meat so they can fill their slots, right? But when we're gardeners, we nurture, we water the plants to help them grow. Oh, we have to prune sometimes, don't we? But it's always for the benefit of the plant that that plant would be able to grow and flourish and bear more fruit. In fact, some of the Bible uh, vineyards would outlast the gardener, see? So we want to tend the garden, and we want to not only become gardeners ourselves, but we want to make you guys into gardeners uh, for the kingdom of God so that you help others get freed to plant seeds. And the role of the church leadership is outlined in Ephesians. Look at chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, and some people call these the fivefold, in case you sometime hear what's called the fivefold, it's what's in this text here. Um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to do all the work around there. No. <clears throat> their role is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church Big C church, you know, the church all over the world, the body of Christ. See? So we're trying to become, as church leaders, gardeners who teach you to be gardeners so that the seeds can exponentially multiply uh, through your leadership and through your individual ministries that God has given to you. Now, I met this guy in Chicago a few years ago. His name is Dave Ferguson, and we had a great conversation together, and then he ended up writing this book called Hero Maker. And I thought it was really great. And he describes how a lot of church leaders today want to make themselves into the hero. They want to be the hero. When really what Dave says in his book is that what we should desire is to be hero makers. That is, we make other people into the heroes. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do here. In his book, he shows us this chart of kind of the different mindset and the different practices of a hero versus a hero maker. So if I'm a hero, I say, I think ministry happens through my own leadership. I'm in the middle column there, but look at the right-hand column. If I'm a hero maker, I think ministry happens through multiplied leaders. If I'm a hero, I see what God can do through my own leadership. If I'm a hero maker, I see what God can do through others, and I let them know what I see in them. If I'm trying to be the hero, I share what I've learned in ways that add more followers to me. If I'm a hero maker, I share what I've learned in ways that multiply disciples. If I'm a hero, I ask God to bless the use of my own gifts. If I'm a hero maker, I ask God to bless leaders I'm sending out. If I'm a hero, I count people who show up to my thing. If I'm a hero maker, I count leaders who go out and do God's thing. You see the difference? We not only want to make you into heroes, but we want to make you into hero makers who can spread and create watermelon patches for God's kingdom everywhere where the seeds exponentially multiply. Now, um, City Church Downtown, 
is becoming right now a launching point for uh, the planting of these seeds for God's kingdom throughout not just this city, but also the world. That's what's begun here is this exponential movement. And some of you are going to plant seeds in a tribe. In case you're new here, we call our groups tribes, like smaller groups where people get into community, pray for each other, read the Bible together, study the Bible together, help each other out, support each other, uh, care for each other. We call them tribes. And some of you are being drawn by God to be a tribe leader. Now, one of the ways that we think about tribes is that we dream of a day where there are more people in tribes than there are actually attending on Sundays. You know what I'm saying? More people who are actually engaged in community than what are just coming to sit in the seats like spectators on Sundays. See, see what I mean? Um, in fact, I know of churches where they have 200% of the people that come on Sundays in groups during the week. And we dream about that day. Um, because we know that life change really happens in community, in smaller settings, in the tribes. And our first goal is that we would like to see, by the end of this year, at some point, at least 450 of us involved in these tribes. But it won't happen unless some of you are called of God, not pressured, but called of God to step up to lead one of these things. Now here, later on, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you'll pray about it. Uh, today, but um, before we get to that, um, we've seen from the Bible that healthy things grow, don't they? And our church is actually growing right now. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we saw 56 people baptized here. So we're not just growing from people who are coming from other churches that get mad at their pastors and the like, but the kingdom of God is actually being spread to people that didn't have a relationship with God before. And our growth has been somewhere between 25 to 30% since this time last year. So it's been pretty consistent all year long, this kind of growth pattern. Now, it doesn't feel like it during the summer because people go on vacations during the summer. And so church attendance can um, feel like it's down, but it's actually uh, 25 to 30% more than what it was uh, this same Sunday last year. That's why a lot of times we encourage you guys to go to the 830 service and, you know, uh, secretly we tell them that Jesus loves them just a little bit more. Um, but uh, because it creates space in the crowded services, particularly 10 and 1130, and sometimes one can get a little bit crowded. But if this, these percentages continue, then here's what's going to happen in the fall. When people get back from vacation and school's about to start, we get flooded with more people at church and we will have our 10 and 1130 services will be maxed out. And what will happen at Kid City is they'll say, we're maxed out on space and classroom space and uh, kids can't check in and then people try and come into the theater and they can't get into the theater. And remember, um, a few weeks ago, we're, we put these magnets on the stage because these are all people that we're praying for that they can have a relationship with Christ. And so you, I want you to think about the person that you're praying for whose name is on one of these magnets if they try and come here and there's no seat for them. So what are we going to do about this? Well, we're going to pray first. Because isn't that what we always do first? We pray first. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. 
because we don't know how God wants us to alleviate it. Now, there are five things that we're thinking about that we've seen uh, other churches around the country, around the world do, uh, but we're not making any decisions about what we're going to do about it just yet. But we're praying about these five things, and God may have something totally other that we've not even thought about. But let me show you five ways we can alleviate this problem. Uh, Number one, we could plant in the Lone Star Pavilion in Sunset Station. So on high attendance Sundays, when we know that more people are going to come than what we have space, we can just for those Sundays, meet over at uh, Sunset Station at the pavilion out there, and then just come back to to Cameo uh, after that. Um, Or we can plant, number two, more video venues here in St. Paul Square because there are some empty spaces around here, so we could have live music in those venues and then video of the teaching. Or number three, we could plant other city church campuses in another part of town or in a neighboring smaller town. That would probably be live music with video teaching. And I got to tell you that um, video teaching is not my personal preference. You just got to know that. Um, But I've come to terms with the fact that on uh, a given Sunday, we sometimes have as many as 100 people who choose to go into the video cafe right next door rather than come into the theater. Now, that wouldn't be my personal preference, but uh, in a digital age, I guess people just like to do that. Um, Here's another option. Number four, we could plant another garden. That is, another city church in another part of town. We could send one of our pastors from our church to go and plant another city church in another part of town, and we would ask some of you to pray about going to help start another church in another part of town. And then here's option number five. We could plant a bigger garden. That is, we could relocate from the Cameo Theater and we could relocate to a bigger space uh, somewhere here in the inner city. Uh, Now, before I go on, I need to stop for a minute and say we're praying about these options, okay? And I want to say this. If someone leaves here today and says, Pastor Doug says we're leaving the cameo to move on something, the fleas of not just one million, (laughs) but 10 million camels will nest swiftly on your armpits and begin to bite at you. It'll be very, very uncomfortable. I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm saying we're praying about these things. And I know some of you, you hear about that and you get excited. You're visionary. Some of you are like, yeah, let's get a bigger place. Sell the cameo. Flip that church. Let's get out of here. Well, you know. Please slow down. Let's wait. You know, part of it for me personally is I've put so much blood, sweat, and tears into this place and personal resources and the like that um, this is a special place to me. And God's really going to speak to me to get me to to pry me out of here. But part of what I have to do is check my own heart. Because the thing that I know about God is he cares way more about people than he does buildings. You know what I mean? Now, do I believe it's the right timing for us to sell the cameo and move elsewhere? I don't, if that's what God wants to do, I don't think the time is right to do that just yet. But I have to check my own heart because I look over in Europe and you see those shelled out empty cathedrals over there. Some of you have seen those. And you know why that happened is because churches got their sense of identity in a building rather than a movement of people who are part of the kingdom of God. Buildings are just tools to reach people for God's purposes. And so since I said we want to pray about this, here in just a second, we're going to pray about it. But one of the things I want you to know is that it may not be one of the five options, because in the kingdom of God, sometimes it's not either or, it's the genius of the and. It could be campuses, other churches, relocation, a myriad of things, 
But remember, we're not going to do anything until we've prayed first and heard from God. And he's directed our steps into what we're going to do um, as a church. But my role over the next 10 years is to develop and raise up and platform other leaders so that they can uh, be hero makers, so that they can spread the kingdom through churches and campuses and all sorts of, of other things. But I wanted us to stop just for a minute and pray together. Can we do that? Father, we want to continue your movement and we know that your movement spreads and grows. And so as a church, as we face the issue of having to create space for more people, we ask you to direct each one of our steps and speak to us that we would have a peace about moving forward in the way that you want us to move forward uh, to reach more people for Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So, like I said, my role is to platform and grow more and more leaders in the coming years to spread the kingdom through uh, whether it be campuses or churches or what I'm going to call kingdom outposts. Now, you know what a kingdom outpost is? A kingdom outpost is when the mustard plant spreads outside of the garden. It can't be held. And the kingdom of God can't be contained in the four walls of a church building either. It spreads out, it spills out, it goes everywhere. And so some of you are called of God to raise up as leaders and create kingdom outposts, places outside the church where people feel this great connection with God. And one example of that is my dear friend, Malcolm Cook, who created a kingdom outpost at uh, Livingstone CrossFit. So take a look at Malcolm's story by way of video. One of the big main things that, oh, that brought us in and what kept us coming back with Coach Malcolm was how much he genuinely cared for you. Um, there's, we were, there's a lot of apprehension between my wife and I coming because we've never been to a gym before. It was, it was like walking into a friend's house. It was walking into a place that you could tell that was safe and they didn't care who or what you were. And that's what ultimately brought us back uh, was the fact that you know, it was so warm and inviting, and he kind of got down to you on that one-on-one basis right off the bat. Definitely seeing, you know, where Coach Malcolm comes from with, with the church and how open and how loving the church is, you know, definitely translates to how he runs this place. It doesn't matter if you've been doing CrossFit for a week or you've been doing CrossFit for like 10 years. You know, it doesn't matter because as soon as you walk through that door, you're a part of the family, and that's how he makes you feel. Livingstone and City Church both have a really great family aspect that I've never felt before. Malcolm will lead prayer sometimes here, and the community, he's created a community where we're all really great friends in and out of the box, and we push each other to be better. We don't demoralize each other or try to compete in an unhealthy way. Um, he's really fostered a community of love and support, so that really shows me what God's community can be like. And I feel that at City Church as well. I work in um, Kid City, and those girls are my best friends, and I've never felt like I had that before. Um, friends that know me and understand me completely and still love me for all of my faults and shortcomings. I wanted someone that was special to me to be able to baptize me, and Malcolm is one of the you know, fundamental 
people in my life that led me to Christ um, just by his actions, not even necessarily telling me, hey, you should go to church. He just showed the love of God, and that's ultimately um, one of the main factors in what led me to Christ. I think when that happened, when she got baptized, that was just like a big, it was a really big uh, um, like turning point of, of how real, you know, God was working because um, I'm a father of three, uh, married to uh, Michelle Cook, beautiful woman. Um, and uh, my, uh, I guess by being a father and, you know, being a husband, you know, that's um, under God, that's like the most important thing to me. So when I think of trying to do something else and mimic that, um, I want to also do that at Livingstone. When someone actually came to faith, when someone said that I believe and someone said that I want you to baptize me, I mean, you know, it was, it was just mind-blowing. It really was because, you know, it was attaching what God is doing at church and then with the business as well at the same time. And, and then it really started to, like, you know, just make that tangible you know, and, and I started to see like, you know, wow, okay, this is, this is happening, Lord, you know, we're, you know, you want us to do this. And I mean, by no means do I want to really, I, I don't feel like I can take credit for a lot of stuff. I feel like God is just really kind of making those moments and situations, you know what I mean? And so that's what's happening, you know, and I'm just, I get to watch, you know, and it's, it makes me pretty emotional, actually. <laughs> That's pretty cool, huh? See what's going on at uh, CrossFit box there. And, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to communicate to you guys today is that never underestimate the power of planting a seed in one person, whether it's where you work out or whether it's in, like, a tribe. You know, I've met tribe leaders in our church that sometimes they just have one or two people that show up, and I say, don't feel like your work that you're doing is insignificant. Never underestimate the power of planting a seed in just one person. Many years ago, there was a tribe leader. They called him Sunday school teachers back in those days, and uh, his name was Edward Kimball, and Edward Kimball planted a seed in a shoe salesman. Shoe salesman's name was D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody believed in Christ and became a very powerful communicator of the gospel. And he planted a seed of the gospel in a guy named Frederick B. Meyer. And Frederick B. Meyer accepted Christ and also became a very powerful communicator of uh, the gospel of Christ. And he planted a seed in a guy named Wilbur Chapman, who also accepted Christ. And after Wilbur accepted Christ, he started communicating Jesus. And he planted a seed in a baseball player named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday accepted it and uh, believed in Christ. And because of his Celebrity became a very powerful communicator of the gospel of Christ. And one time he was invited to uh, South Carolina to share the gospel. And he gave this great presentation. He was such a dynamic communicator that they asked him to come back. But because his schedule was so busy, Billy Sunday couldn't uh, come back. So he sent a young man that he had planted a seed of the gospel in named Mordecai Ham. That's an interesting name, isn't it? Mordecai Ham may as well name the kid Bacon. You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, that's a great name. But Mordecai Ham wasn't as big of a name as Billy Sunday. And so when he went back to South Carolina to give the presentation of the gospel, not as many people showed up because he wasn't a big name. And in those presentations, only one boy 
prayed to receive a relationship with Christ. But that one boy's name was Billy Graham. And some of you know that Billy Graham, who just passed away last year, communicated the gospel to more than 215 million people in more than 185 countries and millions and millions more on television and uh, influenced world leaders as well as many presidents of these United States because of a tribe leader who planted a seed in one person, created a domino effect that affected millions and millions of people. And so in light of that, I want to ask you to raise your hand if you'd be willing to pray about becoming a tribe leader in the fall. Doesn't mean you're making a commitment to do it because we don't want you to make that commitment by coercion, but more conviction, by prayer and the leadership of God. Because if we have to coerce you into it, then we have to coerce you into staying in it. You know what I mean? So just raise your hand now if you'd be willing to pray about that. Planning, I'll pray about planting a seed in people's lives through prayer, through a tribe. Cool. Thank you, guys. You can put your hands down. Now, some people perhaps heard that story and sequence of events and thinks, you know, those were old school pictures and that stuff that happened back in the day. But what about now? Does that stuff still happen? Well, just a few years ago, there was an ordinary, common Christ follower in a grocery store parking lot in Hawaii. And he noticed this young party dude. And he felt prompted by the Spirit to go talk to party dude and plant a seed. So he walked over to party dude and he says, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but I just sense a compelling that Jesus wants me to talk to you about him. And so he started talking to young party dude about Jesus and invited that young party dude to his church. They went to his church, and for whatever reason, party dude was like compelled to listen and to go to church with him. And it was at that church that that young party dude prayed to begin a relationship with Christ. Well, at the time, he was working as a server at a Bubba Gump Shrimp Company restaurant. And while he was waiting tables there, he met a Hollywood star that would become the connection that would lead to his connection to become a Hollywood star himself. Who is that young party dude who worked at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company that would trust Christ? His name is Chris Pratt. And we know him from Parks and Rec and, of course, from the uh, Jurassic World movies and Guardians of the Galaxy and all of that. And last week, Chris Pratt got freed to plant a seed, didn't he? Some of you saw him, you saw the posts online, or you actually saw it live on television when he got the Generations Award at the MTV Awards, and he said some things that I saw, thought were really good, and I'll just tell you a few of the things he said. Number one, don't be a turd, okay? Um, and I agree with that, and I couldn't wait to say it in church today. <laughs> Wisdom to live by. But then he went on to say, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that, I do. Nobody's perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You're imperfect. Accept that and you'll have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with someone else's blood. 
And let me tell you that someone is. That someone is not just a higher power. It is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and for yours. Right on? Yeah. So look. And I've been talking a lot about what we're going to do in the future of our church and where we're growing and how I'm trying to, you know, grow as a leader and what we're trying to do and all this. But God brought someone here today because he wanted to plant a seed in you that you would be able to become a seed planter as well. Just simply believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin so that you could have a relationship with God through him. Let's pray. And as we bow before the Lord, if you would like to begin a relationship with God right now today, I want you to talk to God and just say something like this. God, look, I know I'm not perfect. Chris Pratt is right. I'm so not perfect. But I choose right now to admit to you that I've sinned. I choose to believe that I can have freedom in Christ, that I can have a relationship with God because Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for me. And God, I welcome you into my life. Others of us are being, I guess, drawn by the spirit or convicted by the spirit of God to become people who are now freed to plant seeds. For some of us, a particular name comes to mind. It's like, I know I need to have a conversation. I'm planting a seed. I'm going to call someone up for coffee. I'm going to plant a seed. I'm going to tell them because I don't want them to stand before God someday and be separated from God for eternity without me at least giving it a try and trying to tell them about Jesus. Others, you're having dreams pop up in your head about how you can create an kingdom outpost. Perhaps some young woman or man is dreaming about planting a church someday or a city church campus or becoming a tribe leader and you're dreaming about what that can look like. In prayer, commitments, we say, God, the dream that you're placing in my heart by your spirit right now, I commit myself to obeying you and following you and taking a step of faith, Jesus. Fulfill all the dreams that your Holy Spirit has placed in my heart to spread the seeds of the gospel. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.